You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty, and we are in, what would you call this special, Greg? I'd call it Wisconsin. <laughs> We're in Wisconsin, and I have a whole stack of people around a table at a brewery with me. Uh, to my right is Special Greg, who you would have heard before. G'day, guys. How you doing? And uh, over there is Mark, who has been on the podcast once before while he was driving, and, and I guess also some other episodes, yeah? Howdy, fellas. And with us as well is uh, Steve from Vortex Optics. How are you going, Steve? Hey, good day. Uh, I'm actually American, so I don't know what that means, but hey, hi, everybody. <laughs> I know, you've, t- you've done it really well. Good day. Yeah, no, yep, you've, done, good job. you've done well. And then uh, as well, joining us is uh, one of our listeners that contacted us and uh, came down for a beer. How are you, Brandon? We're doing fantastic. Can't wait to have a couple more beers. Yeah, it's sounding very good. Now, you've been out shooting this morning, Brandon. I have. Yeah, how did that go? Tell uh, us about it. Two coyotes down and one fox and one crow. Well, pretty decent morning. Yeah, Very sensational. Nice. Very good. And and what we're using to do that, we have to ask all the all the important questions. Well, I've got a, a Defiance 6.5 Creedmoor with a Brux barrel. Yep. Um, XLR element chassis. Uh, just uh, Harris 6.9 swivel bipod and a Razor HD Gen 2. That is a uh, that's a pretty solid scope choice. That's, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a, a mighty pretty, fine pretty scope, boy. <laughs> no bias at all. the guy from Vortex. Yeah, fair no, call. No, never. Fair call. <laughs> oh, very good. So we are in uh, chilly Wisconsin, although I'm told it's quite warm at the moment. Yeah, apparently this is uh, we've entered the the warmest winter. Yeah, it's about four degrees yeah. or something for. Uh, it's actually pretty Celsius. nice, like just barely sweater weather. I mean, I'm I'm about ready to get into t-shirt and sandals here. So <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you. If, if yeah. you had a beach, you'd be on it. On it all day, all yeah. day. It's perfect tanning. You get really even light when it's overcast like yes. this. <laughs> so we've. What have we spent today doing, Greg? Um, well, we've done a little special. Greg, sorry. Uh, yeah. I need to get the names all right. You're right, special, Greg. They everyone, they everyone will confuse you with uh, Cashco. Nah, you can't with. confuse me with Cashco. It's uh, um, Greg's new name, obvi- by the way. Obviously, because my bank account doesn't quite, you know, allow me for ten defiance actions. Actually, uh, bringing that up, um, how did you manage to get that uh, defiance action there, Brandon? I mean, um, when I went there, they were apparently sold out from some Australian jerk. <laughs> oh, they they uh, they've got about a ten month lead time on them, from what I've come to find. And I had a friend of mine calling every favor in the book. Ah, and uh, so you, you bought know, one off Greg. So yeah, so you did buy one off Badco. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. I, I believe yeah. that is the name. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it would have only been like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, Badco's like the scalper. Like he buys all the defiance actions and then sells them back at double the is price. That what he's do- that's yeah, why yeah, he has he's, so much money. He's like the defiance action scalper. Yeah, I will okay. say it's a work of art once I did end up getting it, though. Yeah, very good. And, and how's it going? It shoots well. We had a chance to play with some the other day. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it's it's extremely smooth and it's it's beautiful and... The, the rifle setup does exactly what I need it to. See, this is what I like, is we can come over here, and with guys who are in the same sort of type of shooting, we can ask your equipment, and everything you just said, we can get as well back home, which is wonderful, because it's so common you see the stuff well, over we in the States. We can't get Defiance actions. We've discussed this. <laughs> Thanks, Cashco. Greg, Greg can get the uh, the Defiance actions, but um, it's it's kind of cool how that, um, that ability to re- relate equipment-wise, because we see so much stuff over here that we haven't got a chance of getting, um, unless you had a silencer on it. I don't. Ah, there I we don't. go. You <laughs> need to. It's no, you got me beat there. 
Yeah. If you're not suppressed, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I am doing it wrong. I made a lot of noise and scared the second one off after the We've first got a shot. whole country doing it wrong then. Yeah, yeah, our entire country is apparently doing it wrong then, Steve. Um, you know, don't offend us. It's, you know, everybody in the States says that we need to have European gun laws, all these anti-gun people over here. But in Europe, you can go into a store and buy a moderator. They call them moderators, not suppressors. Yep. And you can buy those for 50, 60 bucks, walk out of the store with it same day like you're buying a candy bar. So I am down with adopting European gun laws. Thank you, aunties. We'll go with you. We'll take the European gun laws. <laughs> if you guys would only research and figure out what you're talking about. No, no, no. Don't educate them. No, no, Keep no, them never, stupid. Never. <laughs> Seem to do a pretty good job of that themselves. So. Steve, how long have you been with Vortex Optics? I've been with Vortex a little over three years now, and I've uh, been in the gun industry pretty much my whole life. Yeah, right. So what have you what have you done prior to Vortex then? I kind of started out when I was just a baby Steve. Um, joined the military <laughs> when I was really young. Baby and Steve. Baby so Steve. young and omnipotent. I, I still so grow like facial hair there. like I did when I was six. Yeah, so just, like, just like my little beard. baby beer. I like to think of my Steve as like a little baby Steve. <laughs> real young and... Fresh. Fresh. That's how I make friends. Everybody's so cute. <laughs> they mistake me for a woman all the time because of my uh, my well, wonderfully smooth what, facial yeah, skin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Steve, to, to finish your sentence, Steve. What? 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 Steve has not much of a beard. That's what we're saying. I don't know. No, I don't. My daughter grows a thicker beard than I do, and she's nine. <laughs> But yeah, no, I was, uh, I was um, in the military before that, and uh, once I got out of the military, I ended up retiring out a couple of years ago and ran a gun department at a farm and ranch supply store in middle of nowhere, Montana, for a little bit, wow. and I had a good time there. <laughs> then Sounds ended good. up as a buyer for a sporting goods chain out of Montana, okay. and now I am the director of military law enforcement sales for Vortex Optics, so it's been a... Straight to the top. Yeah, it was uh, that ladder that I was climbing. I skipped like many six rungs. dozen rungs. Yeah, yeah many <laughs> rungs. <laughs> and, yeah. ha and and how do you find it there at uh, at Vortex? Fantastic. I've never worked for a company that has uh, even been close to what Vortex is. It's still very much a family owned. Um, it feels like a small company, even though we're not. Um, yeah, you guys are a, a, a big. You were telling us before you had in the last two years you've seen significant growth. Yeah, when I first started there, we had 120 employees, um, and now today um, we're close to 300 employees. We're building a um, new dedicated manufacturing facility about 20 minutes west of where we are now. So it's just been the yeah, growth well. that we've shown and the growth that we've had in the last couple of years has been absolutely incredible. Yeah, we got a, a good uh, tour, thanks to Steve, around Vortex today. And uh, yeah, tell you what, they, they need more room. <laughs> you guys are packed in there pretty well. We're it's packed coming. in pretty tight. We got a shoehorn in. When people are <laughs> they're checking in, we actually have to call everybody up and make room for the everybody coming in, showing up for work, running <laughs> the machines. <laughs> it's coming, but the new factory is going to be it's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, huge. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to almost quadruple the size that we've got now, wow. and then uh, we're also we've got two big buildings. We're going to have a building dedicated specifically to um, engineering and manufacturing. And we're also talking about putting in a range out there, so it'll be one of the most advanced um, indoor range complexes in in the Midwest, if not in the United States. So it'll be pretty slick. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Might have to might have to come back to use that. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll have some cool stuff. We'll be able to drive cars in on the range, so I'll, I'll set up some some pretty <laughs> slick AR shooting stuff, suppressed little short full auto stuff that you guys can't get a hold of. Yeah, all the all the stuff to we can go home feeling terrible. Yeah, thanks. I think what's more impressive is that you're on. You've got your own road named after you now. You'll be on Vortex we do. Drive. We are. Uh, we are buildings number one, two, and three on Vortex Drive. That's. I mean, that's. That's how you know you've made it. What, what about the rest of it, though? What about the rest of the road? Well, they're, one, they're, two, and three. They're on Vortex Drive, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, okay. you know right. Every other building on Vortex Drive you is just going to be an extension of us. <laughs> <laughs> I know in uh, in Australia that um, I reckon it's uh, one of the companies is on the, the old road that a previous company used to use, and uh, so I think it's it's something like I'll get the actual names wrong, but it's. Something like uh, Beretta or on Remington Remington Drive or something along those lines. That's perfect. It's, it's a great <laughs> move. So you're leaving a legacy there. So if another optics <laughs> company starts up in Wisconsin. Yeah, maybe like Leupold and Night Force will move in in like 20, 30 years. <laughs> Once we outgrow that building. Be like all those chumps on Vortex here. 1. Yeah, no, no. Here you go, Leopold. You can have our old scraps. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that would be, uh, be good. So this is uh, – we've been here for – uh, well, not not 24 hours yet. Probably 16 or 18 hours, and it is. Uh, well, I like it. I, I prefer this place to Vegas myself. 100%. Not really a big city bloke, and this place feels a lot more sort of just chilled out and relaxed. Which food's uh, better. The beer's better. I have to say, we we got pretty used to Vegas. We got in last night. We probably pulled into the hotel about 11, 11:30, and we uh, we're like, ah. Oh, you know, talking in the elevator on the way up, we're like, yeah, cool, we'll just dump our bags and stuff, and then we'll go for a beer. We, went, we checked in with the guy down the bottom, and he said, yeah, nothing's open, mate, nothing's open. Yeah. <laughs> Monday Monday night, mate, nothing's well, open. Monday night, 11 o'clock, no, no. So we, I think we did get a bit used to uh, Vegas and how they roll there. It was um, a little bit of a shock, but I'd much prefer this. It's good, we also got some decent sleep, which is a, a nice change. Well, I, I, I didn't know I was still on Vegas time. I didn't sleep till 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, you me as well. Yeah. Brandon, is, um, you've grown up in Wisconsin, have you? I have, about 20 minutes from where we're at currently. Yeah, right, and so you know you know the place really, really well. I do. It's got a fairly big hunting culture. Oh, absolutely. Yes, so do most people hunt, or quite a big, or is um, it? I, I would say probably half. Most most of the rural people are, are hunters and shooters around here. Uh, it's it's less so in the more urban centers, as it seems to be everywhere in yeah. this country. I've certainly noticed that the um, you know you tell someone that you're uh, involved in the shooting industry, even in Vegas actually to be honest, and they were like, oh yeah, cool, no worries. A yeah. uh, little bit of a different story back home. It's a very different, different. Sort yeah, of it, as you might have noticed with the waitress, maybe 20 minutes ago, she kind of gave you a, a crooked eye when yeah, you said you were about that. to do a shooting podcast. I did. I yeah. did. Um, yeah. But you know, we we are in kind of the thick of it here, and you know, 20, 25 minutes in any direction, you're talking agricultural farmers and, and hunters and the usual sort of people you find in the woods and the fields. Yeah. yeah. And is it... Oh, sorry, Steve, go ahead. I was going to say you got to think about two hours south of here is uh, the home for now, thankfully, previous President Barack Obama. So it's... Uh, 20 minutes from here. About two hours. Two, oh, two hours. Two sorry. hours, yeah. So down, is that he, Chicago uh, or somewhere near there? Down in Chicago, yeah. yeah. He's... Uh, that's his his kind of brainchild. And did he move out of there because of the gun laws? Yeah, they're a little too strict for him, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's down in Chicago. It's insane. You can't buy or sell guns within Chicago city limits. It's absolutely insane. But they've got one of the highest crime rates 
in the nation. The highest gun crime yeah. rate. It's gun exactly, crime yeah. rate specifically, yeah. It's highest uh, gun laws and highest gun crime rates. Mm, exactly. Interesting correlation. Funny, you make guns illegal and only criminals have guns. That's, uh, that's funny. Sorry, are you insinuating that criminals don't follow the law? <laughs> Oh, I know that's that's a pretty hard maze make to make to it me. through, but yeah, it, it really doesn't. Sense. It doesn't. Steve I mean, Morgan of Vortex Optics wouldn't say such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> never, never would I ever. Well, maybe after a couple of beers, yeah. <laughs> he might. Small beers. Yeah, that's beers. a mini yeah. beer you got there, Steve. Just hold that up for us. I it mean, is, there's it's, no video. It's adorably cute. And, uh, that is adorable. It's, that's it's the cutest beer I've ever seen. It's like you a have to drink Wisconsinly. So so it's obviously hunting's pretty big deal here. Uh, is, is there is. plenty of public land to hunt on? What's oh, the? It's it's everywhere. You buy a plat book, or you get any one of the numerous applications, and it it and in, in any direction, we're probably 15, 20 minutes from a 150, 200 acre plot of public ground. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you could you could get into it pretty quick. You can. Uh, n- not too many people know about it around here, um, but for say our whitetail season. Yep. In late November. The, the crowds cr- come up from the Chicago area and the Milwaukee area to the more rural areas that we're living in. Yep. And you'll have 100 cars on the side of the road trying to hunt that 100-acre plot. <laughs> a so sea of orange. It is a of sea of orange. Yeah, uh, wow. You'll, you'll walk to the field edge, and there will be a guy every, every 30, 40 yards. Wow. And you go another, another half mile past that, and it's all yours. You're back, back to yourself. Is you break that first brush line and you got it all to yourself again. Basically, just walk up some some hard hills and, and leave them all behind. Absolutely. If you, if you elbow, elbow your way through the first line, you'll find yourself alone again. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a totally different thing to uh, back home. Well, p- particularly for me because we don't have any public land uh, in South Australia to hunt on at all. I actually predominantly hunt on public land in New South. Yeah. 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 So it's a it's it's different. completely different world. We have to be all on private land. And have permission from the owner to be there. Uh, but the other thing is, you rarely, well, you generally don't ever see anyone else hunting because you, you're the only one on that land because the owner knows you're there. Um, which is, I guess, beneficial. You don't have a sea of orange to contend with. We don't wear orange either. That's that's the high vis stuff um, to hunt within. Yeah. You can actually well, wear pink now here too, fluorescent pink. Is, is that not a law? Yeah, that's, that's like just not just down the street, Steve. You can, yeah, are you talking about hunting or you just. Yeah, that's, that's hunting. Fluorescent oh, right. pink is actually, it's, I mean, I wear it on a day to day basis yeah, regardless. For sure, but for sure, in the office. So. It's, uh, I think it was this year they made that. Our law? state legislature yeah. spent two weeks discussing whether we could wear pink or not <laughs> while we're white tailed deer hunting. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's big time. We got we to gotta figure out the big issues here. Yeah. yeah. But it is authorized, so there are a lot of. Uh, well, I mean, it fits for this area, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's uh, it's important you pay your taxes, then, isn't it? <laughs> it is. You gotta, you know, you gotta pay those guys to make these decisions. This is big time. <laughs> you don't want just anyone making those decisions, but that's all right. Um, so you have to wear. Well, I guess we in Australia, there's places you have to do that as well. Is it great? New South Wales, it's absolutely mandatory to wear orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Blaze. Yeah. If you if you get caught without blaze, it's a it's well, a fine. You wouldn't be seen. You wouldn't get caught, would you? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. They just pull the body out of the ditch. <laughs> 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 but 
Yeah, yeah no, it's different. It is yeah, different. okay. Yeah. We don't don't have that. But I, I guess that, but I think that comes from public land because if you don't yeah. hunt on public land, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah, you're it's right. the same here. It's it's different states have different regulations. There's uh, when I was out in Montana, I think that was part of the biggest culture shock of coming from Montana out to Wisconsin was out in Montana, a small section of public land was fifteen to twenty thousand acres, where right. here. A, Big section of public lands, 150 to 200 150 acres. 150 to 200, and, and the the standard seems to be about 15 to 20. Yeah, it, it's just a little chunk in between private land. Most of the land around here is privately owned, but everything in between it seems to be, you know, there there'll be fingers of hardwoods, or some of it is open fields and CRP, where they just let the natural grasses grow. What's yep. so what's the C, what's CRP land? Um, I, I wish I could tell you what the acronym is for. <laughs> that that should, sure would be handy at this particular moment. They just they just let the native grasses grow. It okay. it turns out to be, uh, you know, five and a half six foot high grasses, and then they just burn it off every couple three years. It's it's a big tax break to put your private land in the into that, but then it's it also opens it up to public reserve. hunting. Community regeneration project. Community reserve. That sounds great. Fantastic. (laughs) We're just making it up. And it didn't take me two weeks to come up with that either. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll take I'll take the tax. But you are wearing pink and it's adorable. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Matches your beer. (laughs) Matches your baby beer. Give me just one moment. I'll figure that out for you. (laughs) Google machine. Google. Excellent. So, now Steve, do you shoot any sort of precision rifle stuff? That's. Uh, I don't shoot. Competi- well, I take that back. I haven't shot competitively for a couple of years. Um, yep. Getting kind of back into the competitive realm. The first big shoot um, that one of my industry partners and I, um, Will Harris, he's over with Black Hills Ammunition. Yep. Um, we've kind of gotten together this year. We're going to go and shoot the Vortex Extreme out in Utah, um, which is kind of an endurance slash precision rifle event. So that'll can, be great. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, at the tell Vortex us more Extreme. About that. So the Vortex Extreme, um, we do it every year. It's kind of our big banner event for our sponsored precision rifle um, stuff that we do. It's out at a place called Spirit Ridge Rifle Golf, and it's a seven-mile course. We've got, um, I believe it's seven to eight targets. Closest target is 700 meters. Farthest target is just over a mile. Um, We've got a number of competitors from all over the country come out for it, and it's, uh, it's kind of our big signature event. Yeah, wow. And and how does it operate? So you're, you're saying you got seven or eight targets. That's over a couple of days, is it? No, it's one day. One day? One day, one course. So you start off in the morning. Every every team's got their own start time, and it's time plus misses. So okay. you yep. take your time. Um, all your hits are zero, and then any misses are plus whatever for that target. So so a lot of score wins. It is. Um, it's, uh, you know, it definitely pays to be a winner, so... If you uh, if you're a bad shot, you've got to really hustle, and there's some pretty rough terrain out there. We've got a yeah, right. um, a peak right in the middle that absolutely destroys people. Um, we've got people literally puking on it every year, um, and it's out <laughs> in the deserts of Utah. So it's it's not cool weather. It's probably closer to what you guys are used to, not what we're used to. Yeah, right. Okay. And uh, it's it's a great time. We've got we've got a lot of really solid competitors that show up out there. Yeah, it sounds. Uh, was that the photo that's at the front of Vortex down the bottom? Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. So it's yeah. it's if you go to our website, um, we've got a lot of the highlights from that, and then we've also got if anybody wants to come over, we've got a couple of international competitors that show up every year as well, um, and we're we're 
more than able to welcome you guys in, and it's a it's a great time. Yeah, brilliant. It looks look uh, that from that photo it looked like an amazing place to be. It is. It's the terrain out there is unlike anywhere you'll see in the world. There's a lot of really high angle stuff. There's flat stuff. We've got multiple winds. It's an extremely challenging shooting environment out there. I've, I've got to say that the terrain here in the United States, um, um, and and this is I'm not super worldly, so you know uh, Rusty can correct me. He's done a lot more traveling than yeah, I have. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the bastion of knowledge on travel. Yeah, you are the bastion of knowledge on travel. <laughs> The yeah. brains trust, but yeah, I mean the right. formations that you know, like the the land that you guys have got out here is very pretty. I mean, even driving through the desert um, when we drove from LA to um, to Vegas, I mean, you're in the middle of the desert. But I mean, the formations are just you know, it's just nothing like we have. It is. It's it's extremely varied. There's everything from you know beautiful coasts on either side, and the the west coast and the east coast are completely different from one another. Out in the west coast, you get big beautiful beaches on the east coast you can get some um, really nice beaches down south and it gets really craggy and really uh, um, kind of picturesque like typical New England scenes that you would think of um, and then you've got deserts grasslands in the middle forests we've got temperate rainforests in the north we, uh, northwest uh, swamps down in the southeast it's any terrain any environment that you could possibly imagine we've got here yeah, it is, it is quite diverse, and I've got no idea whether you're right or not, Greg. I'll just take your word for it <laughs> with, your, with your knowledge of travel. Um, did, Brandon, did you find out what that uh, CRP meant? I did, and I'm glad you came back to it. I of will course. read you the, the website definition. The Conservation Reserve Program is a cost-share and rental payment program under the United States Department of Agriculture and is administered by the USDA Farm Service Agency. <laughs> That Does that sound about right? That sounded very official, but well, there was nothing like community regeneration. No, no, no. You and I had one each. So, oh, I said reserve, and you said, no, I said. Yeah, he said community. Yeah, you said I reserve. said reserve. So there we joined. 66% hey, there. Hey, that's not our 100 100. But not, oh, yeah. So we, we, we'll tell part of the story from the other night. A little bit, we, only part of it. Special Greg and I uh, end up at karaoke in Vegas, and we got 100%. On, All you needed uh, was a spotter. On. <laughs> <laughs> Always need a spotter. <laughs> Always need a spotter. 100% on Tainted Love by Marilyn Manson. Killed it. We smashed Killed it. Killed it. We smashed it. But anyway, that's the uh, that's what Vegas does to you, I guess. So Now, the um, we had a tour of Vortex before, and, and a huge amount of it is geared up now uh, for manufacture in the U.S. about the uh, AMG scopes. Yeah, we, we've been working at the AMG line specifically. Um, we've been working on that scope for... A long time and yep. when we released it last year at SHOT Show um, it was it was a big deal for us that was the first scope that we designed and engineered and manufactured from the ground up we've designed scopes before we've engineered scopes before um, but to actually manufacture in-house basically the only thing we don't do on that scope here in Madison Wisconsin is grind the lenses and that's still done here in the US yeah right yeah no, it was pretty impressive to see that these guys will actually do every Little grub screw, every screw, every tiny, tiny little components, uh, and it's all made well where we were standing today. It uh, is it everything's impressive. right there, and you guys saw with the tubes. We start off with that what three and a half, four pound piece of billet yeah. aluminum. Big, we big have ninety five percent of that aluminum goes away and turns into an AMG scope tube. We yeah. make the detent. The smallest piece we make in that scope is the detent that determines how the clicks feel when you turn it. And that's everything from that the full tiny. tube to that little detent. Everything's made by us. 
yeah, it was very, very impressive to see it all, all happen. And then we couldn't go into the um, into the clean room or whatever you call it. Is that yeah, the the final assembly clean room? We yeah. got to put on the Crocs and the marshmallow oh, suits, but the sexy that, Crocs. That, that's a good thing. That means that yeah, the no, clean, the integrity of the clean room is is. Well, if um, you were you know, I in there, it would have ruined it, wouldn't well, it? Well, you maybe. I mean, you're that dirty. Don't, don't tie me with your brush. <laughs> For you with a brush, you definitely couldn't go in it. Be way too dirty, but um, it was yeah really impressive to see uh, all the airlocks and all the the quality control. Going. Yeah, yeah, just just the, just the level of precision that goes into making some of these scopes. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's it was very impressive. There was even stuff that I learnt today that you know from the last time I've been here. You know, it was new information, which is great. And it's every single part, every everything. A part comes off the machine, it gets tested to make sure it's within spec. The part gets put into a sub-assembly, that sub-assembly gets checked. Then those sub-assemblies get manufactured in a complete rifle scope. And before we put that thing in a box and get it shipped out, it gets gone over every every turret, everything. You look through it, make sure there's no inclusions in the reticles. We make sure all, everything's in alignment. And we make sure everything works the way it's supposed to before it gets put in a box and sent to the customer. You were telling me about um, uh, when you were designing a new screw um you were asking some tool makers for some gauges you want to elaborate on that yeah we uh we were trying to get a set of uh, thread pitch gauges made so we could test and ensure that our screws were within tolerances for what we need and we kept getting turned down so after a couple of companies turned down we ended up asking them you know what why won't anybody make these for us and what they came back to us and told us was well the screws that you guys are making are more precise than the gauges we are able to produce. So the screws <laughs> that we were making are more precise than the tools that this company makes to ensure uniformity across other manufacturers' platforms. So, so we had to come up with a new solution. Yeah. What, that, what was that solution? That little optical device. Yeah, we have a um, pretty neat little optical device that goes through and uh, makes sure that as soon as we put the part on it, it actually looks at that part, gives us all our measurements in real time so yeah. we can go through and, and gauge every single part to make sure it's right. That's impressive. The other thing that I found really impressive was the um, AMG Parallax thing. Can you elaborate on that if you're, if you're allowed to? A little bit. Um, so the, the process that we go through to set Parallax on the AMG scope is... Um, Basically, you look at most of the other scopes out there, and all the numbers that are on that parallax adjustment dial, they're kind of arbitrary. They're just there to represent a setting. They're not necessarily anything in, sp in particular. They're close to, but they don't really, it's not accurate. Um, what we've created and with the uh, manufacturing processes that we've kind of imposed into our system, um, when we set parallax at 200 yards or 400 yards or 500 yards, it is exactly 2, 4, 500, whatever you set it at. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and it was good that they, they're designed per scope. That's it is. It's, very it's specifically tested to each scope, and they all work perfectly. Yeah. No, it was, uh, that, I haven't seen that before. That was really, really good to see. How did you, um, Mark, how did you find the tour through the factory? Oh, look, the, um, the factory was impressive. Um, just the degree of um, precision and, um, and accuracy on, on, on what they do is just incredible. Like to see it, it come from literally nothing, just a, a, a you know, piece of aluminium and then the end product from it is, um, yeah, it's incredible. And it's a, um, yeah, words are very hard to describe. 
Sorry, we've uh, got some shenanigans going on. Special Greg's yeah, out of control. It's all right. Yeah. It's no problem. Sorry, carry we'll, on. Uh, it just means I've got to spend more time fixing edit, this thing. Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, and I mean, it was a, it's a, it's a credit to Vortex, like on on the product they're producing. Like after seeing the the, the back end of what happens, it's um, yeah, it's no wonder the the products they're producing are what they are. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like I was, um, I've been a Vortex guy for eight, eight, probably closer to ten years, but definitely eight to ten years. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, coming into the factory and meeting yourself and you know some of the other guys behind there, Seamus and that, um, it just it confirms my, you know, it confirms my love for for the brand. So definitely. And that was, you know, it's. It's always great to have people come through the factory for the first time because a lot of people don't realize exactly what we do there. A lot of people see Vortex or they hear about Vortex if they don't have any experience with us and they think it's, you know, it's a good price point entry level option and we do have those options. Um, but when it gets up to our, our high end precision stuff, you know, we're, we're competing three or four price categories above what our scopes are priced at with a level of precision and the level of kind of attention to detail that we can do. And we can do that because we're all in that one space like we were talking about before when we were um, in the studio with our own graphic design teams and our own um, social media teams and all that. Our sales department, our inspections, our manufacturing, everything's right there on top of each other. So it gives us a really steady workflow and makes everything extremely quick. Yeah, Vortex's um, motto is they're allergic to outsourcing. They do everything in-house. <laughs> it does seem to be that way. I mean, we went in and Greg wanted to, a special Greg wanted to do a video uh, with Steve about the uh, new PST Gen 2. And, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, we'll get the camera set up and a couple of microphones and we'll just have a bit of a chat and, you know, do, do what we can. But, uh, no, that wasn't quite good enough. So we, uh, we went into Vortex's studio and had the lights. Uh, what was, was the it? gentleman's name? Dan. 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 That wasn't so, my idea, by the way. I just rolled along with no, it. No, no, I'm not saying it's your... You wanted to do the interview, and then it I went did. from there. I did. Uh, and so Dan set up all this lights and this neon sign and it everything. It was professional. And, oh, mate, I felt very undergunned with my camera and uh, my <laughs> limited knowledge of how to press buttons. Uh, but anyway, by the end of it, we got there, and uh, we ended up doing a, a bit of a, a chat. Or Greg, Special Greg did a bit of a chat, uh, and it was... Uh, yeah, hopefully it comes out all right. Yeah, but, it'll come yeah, out just, great. We could just edit me out and just leave Steve in it. I mean, Steve looked really, really pretty in his, was, in his nice button-up shirt. I was going to edit all of it out except the sign and just leave that, that neon sign. That would be perfect. No sound, no video, no nothing, <laughs> just the <laughs> sign. Just, I was, well, what I was going to do was actually put um, Special Greg and myself singing karaoke over the top of the oh, sign. Yeah. Now you're talking. Uh, perfect. Uh, there, you thought, perfect. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. There you go. Right on. So 100%. I thought that might, be, uh, that might be good. So anyway, we'll see, we'll see if we can make that work. Um, but I guess what we found is that it's been very easy to, to get stuff done, which has been yeah. It's obviously I think you said before, Steve, that it's a small enough. It's a small enough business that it still feels like a sort of family-owned business and very responsive and very helpful, without being this huge big corporation. Exactly. We uh, we've got all the advantages of being a small business without any of the disadvantages. So we can. We can do anything we want, and everything is extremely fast. We don't have to wait for people to come back. We don't have to email stuff out or hard copies send stuff out or wait for prototypes. We can do all this stuff by ourselves in-house. 
So our, our timelines for creating product and also for listening to customers and actually coming up with what they want, like with the new Gen 2 PSTs, um, that is a customer-driven product. It was what everybody wanted in the PST, and yeah, we built that's it. that's true. And, yeah, and yeah. I believe you've done this before, too, with the uh, Gen 1. Um, you know, you brought out the Gen 1 and received a large amount of feedback. And, that's and then exactly what, what and it And then was. what was resulted was the Gen 2, which... You know, is the most popular scope in the in the PRS competition. So you know. Yeah, well that that Gen Two PST. I mean, it just it does. You know, we see a lot of them come out on courses, and a few of them haven't quite gone to plan, and that just seems to have tackled every single problem that we've seen, uh, sort of almost one by one. It's just tackled that and that and that, and I really look forward to seeing them out in the marketplace because the ones that we've played with at shop and had a little look at, at the uh, back of the shop. Um, have felt where they should be. Yeah. It is. We're extremely excited about it, and it's that that product line that you know we when we were coming up with the Gen Two PSTs, you know when the Gen One PST came out, everybody was like, you know, pump the brakes. Oh yeah, this thing is amazing, and we were kind of building on that lineage. So when they first came to us and like, all right, guys, you know, it's Gen One PST is getting a little long in the tooth. We need to come up with an upgrade on this thing. Everybody at the factory, we're all kind of sitting there like. We need to do this right. We can't screw this line up. It's, this is the bread and butter for a lot of these guys that are out there. So we really took a lot of time into putting in the features that we wanted, maintaining that quality. And, you know, even though the Gen 2 PSTs are price points a little bit higher than the other ones, it's not a whole lot more, especially for all the new features that you're getting. And it's, it, it kind of keeps right into that same price point, that right demographic that everybody can obtain this. Anybody can go out they can shoot well and they can be serious competitors, especially in the PRS series, um, with a scope that doesn't cost you four or five thousand dollars. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, it's um, it's such a competitive industry as well at the moment with optics. I mean, I think even Mark was talking about starting his own optics brand when he got back to Australia. Like everyone seems to be producing their own scopes, um, so you have to stay in front of it because stuff changes so rapidly. You do. You really. You've got to. You've got to stay on the cutting edge. And and the philosophy that Vortex takes uh, when we when we build these optics, you know, we don't we don't chase anybody else's products. Um, you know, there are a number of great optics manufacturers out there in the industry right now, and you really can't bash them. They make great product. Um, same way we look at. I do all the military law enforcement stuff over at Vortex, and we've never chased a military or law enforcement contract. We make what we think is a good product. We come up with the features that our customers want, and when we turn that into a real um, material thing, something that people can use, if they like it, that's great. And if they don't, then we need to go back to the drawing board and do some do some work. But so far, it's been really good. Everybody's really, really liked what we've done. I think growing from a, uh, a, a you know a ninety a ninety employee company to a, a close to three hundred employee company in a little under three years. It's a pretty good indication that you're doing something right. Yeah, See, it, it lets us know that we're on the right path for sure. So you got to be careful, though, because if you keep going that way and keep growing the way it is, you may find that the other Greg looks at buying you out no, and no, just, no, add, just no, no. adds you, no, 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 no. Add you to the I'm empire. In there. I'm in there already. Yeah, I know. You're trying. Badco, if you're listening, Badco, Cashco. I'm in there already, son. Nah, I've see, got the shares. Thing is, no, you, no, 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 no. What no. you didn't realize, special Greg, is that you remember that second floor at um, Shot Expo? Yeah. That's yeah, called the Badco floor. Every oh. company that was on that floor he owns. So you didn't you didn't realize how much you see you don't know him very well, but he's he's 
owns most of the industry. That bad but that's co. right because keep trying, keep that trying. Bad co. Yeah. That's and, right. And I would be doing a dis- disservice as a customer to not bring up the warranty that Vortex offers. Um, any any problem that you have, if you drop it, if if your horse steps on it, if it falls off your truck, I that, I always who rides a bloody problem. horse anymore, uh, mate? I don't know. I, I hear they do these things out west. Um, <laughs> they happen to have a case full They're of these like products in their. Sh- <laughs> they happen to have a case full of these products in their showrooms that that things happen yeah, we and, saw that. and they they really take care of you. They they understand that things happen and you send it in and it's either repaired or replaced. There's not questions asked. They don't bother you. It's not. Uh, it's not a pain. Uh, you you send something in and it's back to you within a couple of weeks, as good as new. If it's not a completely new product, um, and as a cons- consumer, is as you as you spend the money on the higher end stuff, it's it's really great to have somebody that stands behind the products that they're producing. And that's what it's all about. It's it's all about the end user. It's all about the shooters. It's all about the hunters. It's all about you know the the people that use our product. Yeah, we we're all shooters there at Vortex. Everybody loves to shoot, and I think that helps drive the passion behind the brand. But it's at the end of the day, we are nothing without the people that use our products. Without what we call the Vortex Nation, so we do everything that we can to support and you know make everybody's shooting experience or observing experience any any glassing that they do is the absolute best that they can do. And I think probably the most important point to bring up about Vortex is uh, they know where the good beers are in Wisconsin. So, yes, we do. I mean, yeah, top of the pr- – war- warranty is one thing and good scopes are one thing, but but yeah. this is the important thing. We've uh, we've had some quality beers here. So Yeah, I, I would I would suggest the Velveteen Habit. Uh, the Velveteen <laughs> Habit is quite nice. How was the Ballistic India Pale Ale? Uh, look, the Ballistic the ballistic IPA was good. It was um, right. yeah. I, I'd still prefer the Velveteen Habit. That I, was, that I did was my not choice. find the Ambergeddon at all. I thought that was quite good. Um, that, that baby beer, that cute little beer you had there, Steve, <laughs> what was that? Gone. That's what it is. Gone. Yeah. yeah besides yeah. gone. Yeah. It was a. I. I'm drinking the unshadowed. It's a Hefeweizen. And I. I spent a number of years in Germany, and I'm kind of partial. Um, <laughs> those guys do know their beer quite as well. Which we've got a lot of German heritage here, which I think, which is why we can put together a pretty decent beer. But wait till you guys actually get up to the house, and and we don't have to drive anywhere afterwards. Ah, sounds there good. There we go. There good. we go. All right. Well, guys, we uh, we must thank the uh, AL Asylum for uh, putting up with us, uh, recording a podcast just in the front bar. That's what uh, we do. And thanks for Steve for coming out and showing us where to drink beer. Anytime. I appreciate it. The beer side of things is absolutely anytime. I like that. And, uh, Brandon, thanks for j- coming all the way down and joining us for a, a bit of a chat. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks and, for having me. And for sorting out some... Um, Acronyms as well. It's been, uh, yeah. <laughs> been Google's a that. great thing. <laughs> we should let thank Mark for letting us get a word in. Yeah, I mean, Mark. Generally, just, generally, it's a struggle. To, uh, uh, look, by the time the guys hear it, they, they they'll hear the edited version without Mark talking quite so much. But man, this is. Uh, yeah, look, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I could give you enough time to voice across what you needed to say. It's just, it's rough, it's man. Struggle. I, mean, I, just, I hate cutting his off. And, he gets a and roll on. Feel like he just gets a roll out. on. See, you just he won't even listen to it now. Just like just we said, whack them all. Just start hitting stuff with the mic. Everybody will pay attention. Everyone just hit Mark. Everyone hit Mark. I think. Ah, terrific. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will uh, catch up with you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. 
continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.